0: Good morning. Happy Father's Day, dads. Just throwing it out there. And uh, here there's a bunch of birthdays, so I don't remember all of them because there's like three or four. So we're going to sing happy birthday to all the birthday people on Father's Day. Happy birthday to you.
1: birthday all you birthday people happy
0: birthday to you hi now let's worship the Lord I know I sound like a broken record guys but we're not performing we're just um, praising the Lord with you so uh, let's close our hands and worship the Lord we got a beat buddy that we're trying to figure out so bear with us I remember how you told me Life may not be
1: easy changed by your mercy.
0: Mike's gonna come talk to
2: us. Hey, Can you hear me? Yep. Man, there's a lot of you out here today. Uh, so uh, I don't know what I was gonna say, but uh, I'm glad you're here this morning. And uh, I'm gonna open this up in prayer, and then we'll have a five-minute uh, uh, greeting time, and then uh, we'll uh, we'll get after it. Uh, Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you for an opportunity to come into your house today, Lord, with your people and. I just pray, God, everything we do today, Lord, would be a sweet smelling aroma to Your throne room today. God, we praise You, God, for Your Word. We praise You, God, for Your Son. We praise You, God, for the many live witnesses, Lord, in this room today of people that You saved and forgave and changed, and Lord, and and, and You continue to to uh, want to uh, save and change people today, and we're grateful for that. So, Lord, just be with uh, be a, a with us today in everything that we do. And we ask these things in Jesus Christ's name. Amen.
0: Don't everyone talk? Ricky, can we get the drum beat box turned on in the mains? There you go. Never mind. gonna make some announcements.
2: Everyone have a seat. And so uh, just so I don't forget, if you're uh, gonna be a part of VBS this week and you're a volunteer, make sure and uh, stay after service today because uh, Sierra's gonna have a short meeting. And then uh, also too, if you're a father, uh, today's Father's Day obviously, so stand up because uh, the uh, we want to recognize you and then our uh, children uh, children have gifts for the fathers, so if you're a father, stand on up. That's right, stand on. <laughs> right. So they're they're coming as they're they're coming, making their way to you. Thank you, thank you, honor. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and go with, through these announcements real quick. So, uh, so Saturday night, every Saturday night, we have a freeway service here at Crossbridge. Uh, dinner starts at 5.30 p.m. and service starts at 6. And if you have any questions about that, you want to get plugged in, you want to serve, uh, please get a hold of Mike Simons. Uh, he takes care of all that, and he would love your help. Also, uh, Wednesday night, uh, we have service here every week. Uh, dinner's at 6 o'clock. Classes are at 6.45, but this week, Sierra, this week we're not having class, right? On Wednesday, On Wednesday. so uh, so this Wednesday, this Wednesday we will not be having regular church service because of EBS. So we will not be having regular service this Wednesday. And then uh, there's no men's Bible study today. Um, it's canceled because of Father's Day. So there's no men's Bible study today. And then uh, empty nesters. Empty Nesters are going to Sight and Sound in Branson on Saturday, June 24th at 7.30. Uh, If you have any questions or you want to know anything about this at all, please see uh, Denny or Roxy uh, and uh, pay for your tickets. Yeah, Denny? The bus will be here at 3.30 on June 24th to leave to Sight and Sound. Is that right? So you want to be here by 3.15, 3.15, the bus is going to leave out at 3.30, so that is June 24th, going to Sight and Sound. And then the Shower Trailer Ministry, uh, we have that at the Freeway headquarters in Springfield, it's, it's going amazing, we set a new record this week, this past week, uh, we were able to share the gospel with 39 people. Uh, and uh, 15 of those people had never been there before, never uh, been to the shower trailer or got anything from us. And so p- people are getting the word. And, uh, and I know there's a nucleus of you here today uh, that have been coming to serve. And it's just an amazing thing to be able to uh, serve with my church, uh, to be able to do the one thing that really truly matters, and that's share the gospel. And so it's a good opportunity if you're interested in doing that. Uh, we do it at the headquarters every Tuesday And if you're there by 9.15, we'll have a meeting. We usually get started by 9.45 or 10 o'clock. But I tell people, if you can't get there at that time, but you can show up later, come on. Or if you can be there, you know, at 9.15, but you have to leave at noon, come on, right? Uh, uh, We can use you either way, so. And then uh, VBS this week, right? Exciting. June nineteenth through the twenty second, Monday through Thursday of this week. Dinners at six p.m. Classes at six, uh, from six thirty to eight thirty. So it starts tomorrow. So again, remember, no Wednesday night service this week. No Wednesday regular night service this week because of EBS. Also, Trey and Savannah, uh, their going away party is July second. Uh, they're in Diggins, uh, Trey's in Diggins today. Uh, and he's uh, sharing what he's getting ready to do. So they need their, they need your prayers, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, You know, it's exciting to be able to be called and go somewhere new and someplace you've never been before and stuff, but it's going to be hard. Uh, It's going to be hard for them, and they got a baby on the way, so if you think about that, uh, please start praying for them because they could definitely use it. And then women's breakfast and coffee is Friday at 8.30 a.m. at the Prickly Cactus. Uh, Men's prayer breakfast is every third Saturday at Grillo's at 8 a.m. And so yeah and then uh, Freeway Women's House uh, Kim and Charlotte is going to be hosting an information uh, a meeting here at the church uh, it's on July 19th at 6.30pm J- July 14th don't come, <laughs> don't come on the 19th it's a 4 I just read it wrong uh, so yeah July 14th so if you have any questions or you want to participate in this discipleship house uh kim has already accepted somebody coming from prison in september so uh so things are already things are already moving and we should uh we should have ownership of that place we're looking at around the first of august and then we have some work to do so if you have any questions you want to be a part of that anyway or you want to know about it uh just be here on july 14th at six thirty p.m and, and they'll answer any questions that you have and then defiant joy women's Retreat. Branson, Missouri, August twenty fourth through twenty sixth, and if you're interested in that, um, I'm going to send this around and make sure and sign up this sheet. If you have any questions, uh, see Valerie. I mean, you have a retreat to be defiant. What's going on here? Isn't that part of the fall? Right. <laughs> no no joke. Okay. My wife tells me to stop, so I'm going to stop. So, uh, <laughs> so, yeah, so my hands are sweating. Boy, you guys are in for a treat today. Uh, so let me pray for us. Uh, I'll pray for offering, and we'll get started. Uh, Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you for to an opportunity to be here today and praise you. And thank you for this worship team, Lord, leading us in songs to you today. And, Lord, we just uh, lift up this offering today. We pray, God, that you would use every penny of it, Lord, to advance the gospel Lord, uh, we would use it in a way we'd be good steward with everything that you've given us, Lord, so we'd we'd use it to reach more people with the gospel of Jesus Christ so you could save more people, forgive more people, and change more people just like you did us. And so uh, I just pray, God, that you, uh, you bless those that are able to give today, and we ask these things in Jesus Christ's name. Amen.
0: song brother max don't come preach to us
2: all right everybody have a seat so today we're going to be in uh hebrews 12 1 through 4 hebrews 12 1 through 4 and so the title of this message is running our race uh running our race and i i thought about putting the father's day message together uh, but i thought man i kept coming back to this passage and so this is where we're going to be at today So it's going to challenge all of us. Challenge all of us. So when you get to Hebrews 12, say amen and we'll... All right. Verse 12. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. Let's pray. And Lord God, we just uh, ask God that you would sink these truths deep down into our hearts today, God and and Lord and uh, and this message, Lord, is for every single one of us if we're a Christian today, God. And so I, I just pray for our pastor, Lord. I'm just grateful that uh, he is able to get away with his daughter this uh, last few days, Lord. I just pray that you'd bring him back here safely today. We're just grateful for him and his family, Lord, and the, their constant sacrifice they are and for for all of us in this room today, Lord, and what they give. uh uh, all the time they just give 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 and so lord i just pray to god that if somebody here today doesn't know you they don't have a relationship with you that today would be the day of salvation for them god and just god you give me the words to say you'd remove myself and you would be glorified lord you would be pleased and really god at the end of the day that's all that matters and we ask all these things in jesus christ's name amen so how many of you out there consider yourselves great runners? Anybody? Yeah, we got one, we got two, we got three, four. And I know uh, Sydney, she's a good runner too, right? So, so back when I was in grade school, which is a very, very, very long time ago, uh, right, we used to compete in, in track and field. And they would have the 100-yard dash and the 200-yard dash, and then they'd have the, the longer races of a quarter mile and a half mile and a mile, and, you know, when I, would do, I would compete in those 100-yard and 200-yard dashes and races, but I never did any good because I'm long-legged. And, and by the time I'd get these legs up and moving, the race was already over with. But today, our passage is telling us this morning, it speaks of a race. It speaks of a race. And if you're a Christian this morning, if you say, yes, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, and that means that you're in this race. And that race began the moment you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, and that race will end when you go home to be with him. And so, this race is uh, not one. It's not a 100-yard dash or a 200-yard dash. It's not one by sprinting. And I'm grateful for that. Rather, it's one by putting one foot in front of the other, it's one by persevering. It's, it's one basically by not giving up. It's just finishing the race that is set before you. And so verse one of our passages starts, he he starts by explaining, he says, we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. And so if you want to know who those witnesses are, all you have to do is read uh, Hebrews 11 and and it'll mention all the the heroes of faith like Abel and Enoch and Noah and Moses and Joshua and Rahab, right? They're all mentioned there and they are all Hall of Faith members and every single one of them are, they are a gold uh, medal winner because they finished their race. Right? They died in, in faith. They completed the mission that God had set for them. And so God's provided us these examples because he wants you and he wants me to know. He says, if you want to know what real faith looks like, lived out in a person's daily life, I want you to look to these people. Because they, they finished everything that I set for them to do and, and they ended in faith. Right? They didn't turn. They didn't go back. Right? They died in their faith. And their witness, right, their witness is just like in Hebrews 11, 4, and it talks about Abel's faith. And it says, though he died, he still speaks. In in other words, right, Abel's testimony for uh, for God was there when he was living and breathing, right? And it remains a testimony to us today because Abel's faith was real. It was genuine. And so, so he finished his race. And so... As Christians, I'm thinking about this, and as we live our lives, our lives should be a testimony. It should be a testimony to everyone of what real faith looks like lived out in our daily lives. And so, let me explain this to you. We're reading about in, 11 and 4, in Hebrews 11.4, and, and we we'll read about Abel's faith. Though he died, he still speaks. This is why I want you to get under your belt today. If Abel's faith wouldn't have been real faith, if he wouldn't have completed his race, Right, His testimony wouldn't be speaking to us today. He wouldn't be speaking to us today. And my point to you this morning is, is a saved life. A person that has real faith in Jesus Christ will have a changed life. They will have a testimony for God now, and they're going to have a testimony for God after they're gone. And, and, and my point is, is if your faith has not affected the way that you live your daily life, then the Bible's very clear that you're not saved. You're not saved. It's impossible for you to come into a relationship with God and be the same person you was before you met Him. So ask yourselves, is that you? Is that you this morning? Does your testimony speak of your faith in God? And so two things your testimony always says. Two things you need to understand this morning is, is one thing is, is you're always leaving a testimony everywhere you go. Everywhere you go, you're leaving a testimony. Your testimony is never in neutral gear. And your testimony always says one of two things. One of two things. It says either that you love God or you love yourself. Now, here's the thing, ladies and gentlemen. Is we can say we love God all we want. But if, we, if all of our choices are based on pleasing ourselves, then what we're really saying, and we can look into someone's heart and say, no, they don't love God. They love themselves, and that's why they make the decisions they make. And so, yet today's Father's Day. And so let me ask you, fathers, this morning, because you're the ones that that are accountable to God. You're supposed to be the spiritual leader of your family. You're supposed to be the spiritual leader of your wife, right? And you're supposed to be the spiritual leader of your children. So let me ask you this morning. Are your children seeing your faith in Jesus Christ lived out every day? Do they see that God's word is important to you? Do they see that your time alone with God in prayer is important to you? Do they see that you're basing your decisions, the decisions that you make in life? Do they see that you're you're making those according to God's word and not for your own selfish interests, not for your own kingdom building? Do they see that? Christians, would people know that you're a follower of Jesus Christ by the way that you live your life? Young people, if I didn't know you or somebody else didn't know you and they looked at your Instagram account, they looked at your Facebook account, and you never said that you went to church, would they know that you're a follower of Jesus Christ by the things that you post and the conversations that you're having? What are people going to say about you after you die? Are they going to be talking about your faith like we're talking about Abel's faith today? Are they going to be talking about your faith in Jesus Christ? Are they going to say that you did the best to live out God's word in your life and you admitted and confessed and forsake the sin when you did not? Are they going to say that? Does your testimony speak to what God has done with you through his son Jesus Christ or does your testimony speak about yourself and the kingdom that you're building? Right. There's only two answers on the shelf. It's either one or the other. All your life reflects one of those two things. What does your life reflect this morning? For 42 years of my life, right, I was in rebellion towards God. I was in rebellion towards every single authority that God had instituted on this on this earth. Right? I was a liar. I was a thief. I was a robber. I was an adulterer. I was a fornicator. I was a drug addict. I was an adulterer. Right? And, and the list goes on and on and on. And all you had to do is look at my life and know, and know by the choices that I was making is all my choices was based on pleasing myself. Totally and completely. And then right over there in that jail cell in 2013, I heard the gospel. I repented of my sins. Jesus saved me. He forgave me and he changed me. And I've never been the same. My decisions, the things I do, the things I say are all directed, right? They all, they all encircle around Jesus Christ. And this is the way it should be for every single one of us. Whether you was in a jail or not. Whether you ever did any drugs. Whether you never drank any alcohol. Whether you robbed, you never robbed anybody and you always paid your taxes. That has nothing to do with what I'm saying. It has nothing to do with it. But listen to me. If I died today... Nobody's going to be talking about the 42 years of my life that I was living in rebellion towards God. The only time they're going to be talking about that is they're going to say, You know how powerful Jesus Christ is? He changed that Mike Estelle around. That's what they're going to say. He gets all the glory because he did all the work. Amen? Amen? They're not going to be talking about who I used to be, they're going to be talking about who I am when I died. This is good news. This is great news. They're going to be talking about my faith in Jesus Christ, how I live for him, how he changed a no-good, rotten, scoundrel like Mike Estelle. That's what they're going to be talking about. This is amazing because we're not being remembered for who we used to be, but we're, we're being remembered for who we are today. And 2 Corinthians 5.17 says that we're a new creation. This is, this is what he's talking about. People are going to be talking about the new creation. and not going to be talking about the old things because that's what Jesus does so what does your life speak about today if you took your last breath today what does it speak about listen verse one says that we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely So here's the idea, right? The idea is throwing off everything that is slowing you down from completing your race. Everything that's slowing you down. It's a command to do two things. Lay down or put down everything that's weighing you down. And second, put down or throw down all the sin that's in your life. In other words, get rid of everything that's keeping you from becoming like Jesus Christ. Romans 8.29 says that we've been that, that God foreknew that he predestined for us to be conformed to the image of Christ. That's God's will for you and me as a believer. Today we look more like Jesus than we did yesterday. And tomorrow the same, and next month the same, and next year the same. That is God's goal for all of us in this room. To be made in the image of his son, to reflect his son in what we say and what we do and where we go the things that we appreciate the things that we desire the things that we want they're supposed to all be a reflection and point to Jesus Christ is that is that going on in your life is it going on do you know what this is a picture of when he says lay aside every weight and put down all the sin it is a picture of sanctification that's what's a picture of right we're not perfect we're not going to be perfect but God desires us to be better than we were yesterday. Listen, it's, it's a picture of Romans 6.19. It says, For just as you presented your members as slaves of, of uncleanliness and of lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, here it is, so now present your members as slaves of righteousness for what? For holiness. For holiness. 2 Corinthians 7.1 says, Let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness. Of the flesh and the spirit perfecting holiness in the fear of God. You're awake today. You're alive today. You're breathing God's air today. And you say, what is God's will for my life? 1 Thessalonians 4.3 God's will for you is your sanctification. You becoming more like Jesus Christ. That's his will for you. And if you're breathing, then that means that's his will for you today. If you're breathing tomorrow, same thing. Next day, same thing. So let's start with sin. He says, right, the sin that we're commanded to cast off, he says, it's the sin that that, that clings so closely. Your version might say, the sin that so easily entangles us. In other words, it's the sins that you and I are most likely to commit. It means that there's sins in your life that you're prone to, And there's sins in my life that I'm prone to, but you may not be prone to my sins and I may not be prone to yours. But we all have what God calls is is like an Achilles heel. We We have a weakness in the area of sin and there's sins that we are prone to commit. And God says, whatever those things are, get rid of them. Get rid of them. It's keeping you from accomplishing your race. He says, get rid of them. And so you say, what, what are they? It could be envy. It could be anger. It could be bitterness. It could be gossip. It could be unthankfulness. It could be lust. It could be a number of things, right? But whatever this thing is or things, right, you are prone to commit these. You are easily engaged into these things. And because you're easily engaged in them, it's weighing you down. It's keeping you from becoming more like Jesus Christ. And God is commanding you today to get rid of it. Get rid of it out of your life. So not only are we supposed to get rid of the, the sin which clings so closely to us, but he says, let us also lay aside every weight. Now here's the thing is, not all weights are sins. Weights can be good things. But weights become sins when it's hindering our spiritual growth. When it gets in the way of us becoming what God's purpose for us is become more like Jesus, right? When whatever that thing is, it's getting in the way of us accomplishing that, then it becomes sin because it's weighing you down spiritually. Now listen to me. Water is a good thing. Water is a great thing. Especially water is a great thing for a marathon runner, right? He needs that as he's running that marathon race. But but no marathon runner would want to be running around or running miles and miles with a gallon water jug on his waist as he's running. Water is a good thing, but he would he wouldn't want it weighing him down when he's running. Amen. That's the picture. So this weight, it could be a friendship. You could have a friendship in your life that's holding you down spiritually. Now listen to me. The definition of a friend, right? A friend, this is what I think a friend is. A friend is going to be someone that's going to hold me accountable. A friend is going to tell me how I can become more like Jesus Christ. A friend is going to say that no matter what, God is important. He is first and he's foremost. And they're going to point finger in my life and say, here's some areas in your life that you need to clean up. A friend is going to listen to me, all right, when I'm confessing my sin before them. They're going to hold my feet to the fire. That's what a friend is. A friend is not someone that doesn't care about any of those things. That's an associate. Right? You should not have a friend in your life that does not care about the things of God. If they're not saved, they're not going to care about Jesus. They're not going to care about Jesus. So if a friendship is weighing you down, God says, get rid of it. It could be a job. Right? Jobs are a very important thing. We need it to eat and live and take care of our responsibilities. But God is telling us in this passage today, if that job is getting in the way of you serving God, becoming more like Jesus Christ and leading your family, that job's not good. He's saying, get rid of it. It could be a habit you have. God may be speaking to you right now, right? He's putting the finger right on your heart, saying, yep, this is it, this is it, this is it. It could be a pleasure you enjoy. I love, me and my wife, we love watching movies. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, in this day and time, it's hard to find, find a movie, a new movie, that doesn't have cursing and swearing and sex or some hidden agenda under it. Under it. We've went into movie theaters before with the best anticipation of watching uh, a, a movie that's not going to distract us, not gonna, that's not going to weigh us down spiritually. And we've sat into it for five minutes and got up and left because right out of the gate it had things that dishonored God. Why are we going to watch something, right? Why are we going to watch something that's not going to help us walk better with Christ? Right? We can call it entertainment all we want. But would you watch what you watch with Jesus Christ sitting next to you? If not, well, you better quit watching it because he is right there with you. It could be in entertainment, right? Whatever this weight is, whatever this thing is, it is getting in the way of you becoming more like Jesus Christ. And listen to me. This passage, he's commanding us to get rid of it. If you want to finish your race well, and if you're sitting there in your seat this morning and you say, I don't, I don't care. As long as I finish my race and I go to heaven and I clean toilets in heaven, I'm good to go. If this is what your mentality is, if this is what you're thinking, right, you're in trouble. You're in big trouble right for everything that Jesus Christ has done for us dying on the cross for us saving us forgiving us accepting us uh, into the kingdom forever and ever right we should want to live for him we should want to please him we've been bought with a price it's not our life anymore he bought he bought us with his life it's not about me anymore it's not about you anymore it's about him what are those things that are getting in the way of you fulfilling the will of God. What are they? For example, think about the cloud of witnesses in Hebrews 11. I'm not going to go through all of them, but, but if you get a chance to read Hebrews 11, read it. It's amazing, right? All these people that are mentioned in the hall of faith, right? They endured through temptation. They endured through great temptation. Right? They, they endured through looking and touching and tasting and doing and thinking and feeling or saying anything in the world that would hinder their race. And if, when they did get involved in sin, right? It never became a habit. It never became a lifestyle. As soon as it came in their life, it was as fast as it went out of their life. Did they do it perfectly? No, they didn't do it perfectly. But man, I'll tell you one thing. What they did do is is when that sin came into their life, they recognized it, they confessed it, they forsaked it. They got back up, they dusted themselves off, and they got back after their race. They wasn't back enslaved in the very things that God delivered them from. They endured through trials. They had problems. They had troubles. They suffered loss. They were hungry. They had had disease, accidents. They They were mocked. They were threatened, they were abused, they were persecuted, and then some of them even died. But they plowed through. They endured through opposition. I mean, not opposition from somebody they didn't know. They, they endured opposition from family, from friends, from neighbors, from co-workers, and from the government. They overcame. Think about the witnesses that are in our lives now. I think about John Stroop. I think about our pastor Jeff. I think about Alan and Danny uh, uh, Denny and Max and Mike. They call for the very best of me. Because what I see in those men is they're leaving, living out their faith in Jesus Christ. And I want to I be like them because they are trying to be like Jesus. And so they never ask me to do anything that they're not doing themselves. If they say, Mike, you need to do this, it's because they're already doing it. They're living out God's word in their lives. You can never have enough people in your life like that. And their example calls for our best. Their example calls for our best. What what is called here, right? When he says, get rid of those weights, get rid of the sins, what's called here, it's very intentional. You have to do something, it doesn't just happen. You have to make a conscious decision. You have to evaluate yourself. You have to see the areas in your life where you're slipping. You have to look, recognize the sin you got in your life. You got to recognize your weaknesses. And you got to recognize the weights in your life that's holding you back. And once you recognize them, you got to put the effort into getting rid of them. You got to get rid of them. Right? And, you, and it's not a one time event, ladies and gentlemen. We are going to be doing this until we go home to be with Jesus. And if you're not, you're in trouble. we got to do it every single day of our life. Now think about this. How many sins or weights does it take to throw a runner off course? How many? One. Just one. Just one. Every pattern or lifestyle of sin all starts with one sin that a person didn't lay down or one weight they did not put away. You say, what do you mean? Every alcoholic started with one drink. Every drug addict started with one use. Every single pornography addiction started with one look. Listen, every lifestyle of sin starts with one time. One sin, one weight, That you let in your life and it became another and it became another and it became another. And the next thing you know, it's your whole life. So next our passage says, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. So our entire life, from the moment we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, our entire life is described as this race. Now, each of us have a specific course, right? You got a course and I got a course. And some of those courses are not pretty. Some of them are hiking paths. Some of them are long. Some of them are short. Some of them are uphill. Some of them are downhill. But the beautiful thing about the whole thing is, right, is even though your your course and my course are different, everyone can finish. Every single one of us can finish the race that is set before us. God is not asking us to do something that we can't do. He's given us everything we need. Now, you may not be able to run my course. And here's the thing, ladies and gentlemen, I may not be able to run yours. But the beautiful thing about it is, is we're in this race together. I'm thinking about, I can't believe, I was, cry, I was just, just crying after God today, because I'm i amazed that I got such an amazing wife that loves the Lord. And we're in this race together. God's given me someone where we are joined together and we're in this race together that we get to share this life with. And we get to accomplish this together. And I think of when we came back here and I was happy and me and Kim were happy to be able to come back to be a part of this church. To be back here with you so we could be in this race together. It's beautiful. We love it. We love it. We can both finish well. And You say, well give me a verse for that. 2 Peter 1.3. It says, His divine power has given us all things, all things that pertain to life and godliness. So has God commanded us to do something we can't do? Absolutely not. Has God given us everything we need to do to get the job done? Yes. What are you doing? What are you doing with it? God has given us a piece of Himself in order to get this command done. We can experience the same satisfaction as Paul did, right when he neared his finish line. Remember what he said in 2 Timothy, the last letter he's writing. What does he say? I've fought the good fight, I've finished the race, I have kept the faith. You know what he's doing? Paul is looking back at his life. He's reflecting on his life from the moment that God saved, when Jesus saved him on uh, on that road, and he's looking at. Everything that he could have done to live for God more, and he's satisfied with the answer he got. Right? Paul recognized that he'd done everything he could to put down the sin that so easily entangled him. He did everything he could to put down those weights and put those weights away that was holding him back from becoming more like Jesus. And now he's getting ready to leave his world, enter into the presence of Jesus, and he's going to be able to stand and hold his head high because he did everything he was supposed to do to finish his race. Amen? This is what we want to say, isn't it? I want to be able to say this, right? As I'm taking my last breath, I'm getting ready to go into his presence. I want to be able to repeat these words and mean them. And then he says in verse 8, he says, Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all Who have loved his appearing. All of us. We can all face the same confidence. We can all have the same assurance that we're going to receive the same crown. If we'll put forth the effort and finish our race well. It's up to you. You can't run my race. I can't run yours. It's up to you. We can finish the race that is set before us. So you you say, Pastor, how do we run this race? He says in verse 2, run with endurance. How many people have I seen come out of the gates on fire for God, only to be lost and and gone? Uh, As fast as they came in, they go out just as fast. This race is not won by sprinting. It's not won by sprinting. It's not a 100-yard dash. This race is a marathon. It's a marathon. And it is only... One by putting one foot in front of the other. You're not worried about the hundred steps down the road. All you're worried about is taking the next right step of obedience. This is why we say do the next right thing. If you do the next right thing, you're setting yourself up for the next right thing. And the next right thing. And the next right thing. This this race is won by people that's not going to be discouraged. They're going to stand on God's truth. They're going to admit when they don't. They're going to confess their sin. They're going to forsake that sin. They're going to get back up, and they're going to get back after it. They're not going to be discouraged. These people are determined to finish their race no matter what is put in their way. These people persevere just like the people in chapter 11. And you say, okay, well, how do I persevere? Lay aside all the weights and sins which easily entangle you. That's how you persevere. You get rid of that junk. Verse 2 of our passage, right? So we focus on Jesus. Verse 2 of our passage says, Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. So God, right, he's calling us to focus on Jesus. Right? Jesus followed the rules of his race even to the point of dying on the cross. That was his race, dying on a cross. And he followed it perfectly. Jesus did exactly what God willed him to do so we could be in the race that we're in today. If you're saved. Hebrews 2.13 says that, that Jesus trusted God completely. Hebrews 10.7 says that, that Jesus came into the world to do God's will. And you say, well, what was God's will for Jesus? Dying on the cross. So you could have a relationship with God. So you could be in the race today. That is the race that God the Father gave Jesus. That's the race he gave him. Right? He gave uh, gave Paul the race of sitting in that jail, being beaten and flogged. Right? Being abused all those years. And then sitting in that jail and finally being beheaded. That was his race. That was the race that God had gave Paul. All the other disciples, right? Eleven of them, right? Eleven of them died a, 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 a martyr death. That was their race. That was their race that God set for them. So Jesus lived in total dependence on God the Father, and right? And so should we. And so how do we know that? How do we know that Jesus relied on the Father totally and completely? Because he accomplished everything that God set out for him to do. Do you think it was easy for him to go to the cross? Do you think it was easy for Jesus to know that he was going to be separated from God for the very first time in all of eternity? Do you think he suffered any less because he was the God-man? Do you think that those nails going through his hands and those spikes going through his feet and being flogged where you could see the, the bones... Uh, in his back do you think that that didn't hurt him he didn't feel pain you're mistaken if you do you're mistaken Jesus accomplished right the hating the mocking the beating the crucifixion the rejection and the desertion of, of his friends of his disciples why how do you how is he able to do that because he trusted God's plan he trusted God with the race that he was in right he went to the cross he died according to God's will so you could get saved and be in this race and this is why God says he is the founder and perfecter of our faith and we say okay what does real faith look like what does perfect faith look like it looks like Jesus Christ that's what God's telling us here he says he says in verse 3 consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint hearted so we look at his race, we look what he accomplished, we look at what God set out for him to do. We look at those things and we say, oh, okay, that's what it needs to look like in my life. And so how do we finish our race and, don't, and, we, and where we don't fall to the side, where we don't uh, grow weary or turn back? We focus on Jesus Christ and his sufferings, right? And we compare his sufferings to the things that we're going through today. That's how we do it. Yeah, you may have been dealt a bad hand, right? You may have a lot of things going on in your life that I can't even imagine. But listen to me. No matter what you're going through today, you compare what you're going through to what Jesus Christ went through for you, and you'll feel a little bit better about the race that you're in. Amen? So let me tell you. Did you know that, that Jesus Christ was born to an unwed mother? Back in this day and time, it was a bad thing to be born to from an unwed mother. Did you know that Jesus was born in a stable under the worst conditions? right? He, he, he wasn't born in a palace in a big old bed with silk hanging from the ceiling, right? He was born under the worst possible conditions. He was born to poor parents. His life was threatened as a baby. Did you know that Jesus, Right? He was the cause of, of major, unmanage, uh, unimaginable sorrow. Right, When Herod found out that Jesus was born, what did Herod do? He, he went and had all the two-year-olds executed because he was trying to execute Jesus. All because of Jesus. Jesus was moved and shifted around as a baby. He was raised in a despicable place. Not Harlem. Nazareth. He was raised in Nazareth. Jesus' earthly father died, right? Joseph died when he was young. Jesus had to support his mother, his brothers, and his sisters. Jesus had no home. He didn't even have a place to lay his head. He was hated by the very people that he was trying to reach. The very people he's trying to save, he was hated by them. He was charged with insanity. He was charged with demon possession. He was opposed by his own family. He was rejected by many people that he spoke to. He was betrayed by a close friend, he was left alone by all his friends, he was falsely charged, he was falsely tried, and he was falsely convicted before a high court. And he was executed by crucifixion, which was the worst way a person could die for a crime he never committed. And I have every verse citation for all these things I just read, and there's more. All these things, right? We want to talk about this. All these things were a part of Jesus' race. The race that God had set out for him. Now, you say, what does that got to do with me? My race doesn't look so bad when I look at what my Lord and Savior went through to finish his race. My life don't look that bad. And here's the thing. No matter what you're going through today... When you compare his sufferings to what you went through or what you're going through today, the race that God has given you doesn't look that bad either. It doesn't look that bad either. If you'll stop and compare your sufferings with the sufferings of Christ, if you do that and I do that, we won't become weary. We won't get burned out. We won't fall to the wayside. We won't become faint-hearted. We won't turn back, right? We won't also be relaxing when we should be working. Listen, it's not just about finishing our race. If we want to finish our race well, we better be concerned about the Lord's business. And the Lord's business is reaching other people with salvation through the news that he's provided for us. That's all that matters. As you're witnessing, as you're you're, uh, sharing Jesus with other people, you're putting away the sins that easily entangle you. You're putting down the weights that are hindering your walk with Him, And you're accompli- accomplishing the mission that he's given all of us because we're Christians. When he told Timothy, he says, do the, work of a, do the work of an evangelist. He didn't tell Timothy, do the work of an evangelist because you're an evangelist. He said, do the work of an evangelist, Timothy, because you're a Christian. It's not just my job to do up here to go out and witness and, and go to the park and preach the gospel and do this and shower, trailer, ministry. It is your job to do the same. You should be excited about it. If you're truly born again, he's radically changed your life. You know the forgiveness that you've received through him. Why in the world would you not want that for other people? Why? And you say, well, I don't got time for that. Then what you're saying is the things that you have in front of that are more important to you than what God's called you to do. And you will not finish your race well, ladies and gentlemen, if you don't get that under your belt. The Great Commission is to every single person that's a Christian. It's all of our mission. Amen. anyhow. Philippians 3.14 says, I press toward the mark. He's saying, I press toward the, the finish line. You ever seen one of those runners go through the finish line? Right? Their fingers are all the way back here. They're leaning as far forward without falling on their face as they can as they go through that finish line. This is the picture of what we need to be doing as Christians. We need to be doing it. In verse 4, it says, In your struggle against sin, you've not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. So this is a picture of Jesus in the garden when he's sweating blood. And this is a picture of Jesus on the cross shedding his blood. And so, and so this is what he's saying, right? Jesus endured in both circumstances by, by shedding bl- blood in both experiences. And this is what verse 4 is telling us. It says, no matter what you're going through today, no matter how rough your life is, no matter how bad you think your race is, in your struggle against sin you've not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood that's what he's telling us he's saying yeah life may be rough and yes your race may not look as good as somebody else's but no matter what your race ain't too bad because you haven't had to shed a, you haven't shed a drop of blood like Jesus has listen the Christians that were reading this letter over 2,000 years ago they were shedding their blood they were shedding their blood they were experiencing tribulation just like Jesus said they would they were experiencing suffering just like Paul said they would and they were experiencing trials of various kinds like James said they would and you say why why because they're Christians. They were Christians. Like we're not living our, le- our best life now. God's good for you is not a, a nice house and a nice car and retirement. That's not God's plan for your life. God's plan for your life is you to become more like Jesus Christ while you're accomplishing the mission of witnessing and, and bringing more people to Jesus Christ. That's the mission. That's the goal. If you're a Christian, we are promised tribulation. We're promised suffering and we're promised trials. That's what we're promised. And they were facing it. These people were dying. Back then, if you do a study, Nero was in power back then. He was the greatest persecutor of the church. It would cost you your life to say, I'm a Christian. And persecution came from their families and friends. From these Christians that were reading this 2,000 years ago. These people, right, they grew up in the, the, the false religion of Judaism. And then they came into a relationship with Jesus Christ. They forsook everything they knew. They turned away from everything they grew up with. And their own families rejected them. Their own families turned on them. The people that they'd done life with. The people that they cared. And the people that they loved. No longer loved them anymore. They suffered. I tell you all this today is this, is you and I and any other Christian should be ashamed. We should be ashamed to faint or grow weary or fall down under less circumstances than what these people are going through when they got this letter. We should be embarrassed. I don't got time for God. I can't come to a freeway service on Saturday night. We should be ashamed. It says, don't grow weary in doing good. We should never grow weary in doing good. We've got the best of the best. Listen, right now there are people in other countries dying for the name of Christ. Dying for the name of Christ. There are Christians today in other countries that are losing their jobs, their livelihood, their families, and you fill in the blank. We live in a country where where you're not going to lose your life for being a christian not yet anyway we live in a country where you're not going to lose your job for being a christian and if you did you could easily go find another job amen what has your faith in jesus christ cost you what does it cost you up to this point what are you sacrificing for the name of christ I'm talking about sacrifice. And I'm going to talk about over and abundance. I'm talking about what does it cost you. Look, our challenge is to finish our race well. And when times get rough, and they will, think about what Jesus went through to secure your salvation. Think about when he saved you. Think about what he saved you from. Think about the salvation that he freely offers to other people because he doesn't want them to be in bondage and slaves of sin. He doesn't want to send people to a place called hell. He wants people to come into his kingdom. He wants to save people. Look, what God is commanding us to do in these verses, right, we've got to be intentional, and it has to happen every day. It's not something that's just going to happen in your life. It's not waving a, a magic wand and I'm going to be better tomorrow. I'm going to be more like Jesus all on my own. It's not going to happen. You've got to put forth the effort. You've got to put forth the work. You've got to say, these are the areas where I'm lacking in and I need to do better. I'm going to take one at a time and I'm going to get rid of it. None of us in here should be struggling with the same sins that we struggled with for years. There's no way. If you are, then you're not doing this. We're going to struggle. But we don't have to live in it. We need to pray and read our Bibles and study. And more importantly than that, we just need to start applying God's truth. The the truth that we already know. God's not going to give us anything else until we start uh, applying what we already know to be true. You want great... Uh, you want more light from God? Apply what you already know right now. Look, we've got to turn away from those things that distract us, the things that are slowing you down. You got to turn away from them. Every single day from the moment you get up until you go to bed, we should be asking ourselves, how can I become more like Jesus Christ? And once we get that answer, get it done. Get it done. If you're a Christian, right, we're in the same race, we're on the same team, but you have a course and I have a course and they're different. Our text says that we're surrounded by a, such a great cloud of witnesses whose example call for our very best. The ones in Hebrews 11 and the one those witnesses that we have in our lives today. So the worship team wants to come on up. So here's your application. Say, what can I take home with me today? This is what you need to do. First thing is, is you get rid of things that are weighing you down. You evaluate your life. You evaluate the things that are keeping you, bogging you down spiritually. If it's making you less like Jesus Christ, get rid of it. Get rid of it. Two, recognize the sins that so easily entangle you. Those sins that you continue to keep doing over and over and over, they're on spin cycle. You need to recognize what those sins are, and you need to start forsaking those things one at a time. Just take one of those sins, get it out of your life. And once you do that, get another one out of your life. And keep doing that for the rest of your life. Run with perseverance. Don't worry about tomorrow, next week, next month, or next year. All you need to worry about today is taking the next right step of obedience. And one day your race will be over and hopefully you'll be looking back right before you enter into his presence. And you'll be saying the same thing that Paul said as he's getting ready to stand before Jesus himself. I fought the good fight. I finished the race. I've kept the faith. I got rid of all those things that helped uh, to stop me from becoming more like Jesus Christ. And the fourth thing is, keep your focus and your eyes on Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. When life gets rough and you feel like you're being dealt a bad hand, you start looking at the sufferings and everything that Jesus Christ went to to secure your salvation. You look at the race that God gave him, and then you look at the race that you're in. And you compare the two, and I guarantee you by the end of it, you'll be feeling a whole lot better about your race. And so today, maybe you're not in this race at all. You've never put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. You've never repented of your sin. Right? And when these altars will be open as they sing their last worship song, if you have any questions about salvation, right? If you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and repented of your sin, you're not in this race. And if you took your last breath today, you're not going to go to a place called heaven. God's going to send you to a place called hell for eternity. And he loves you so much that he's warning you today that today is the day of salvation if you'll just receive it. Let me pray. Father God, I just Lord, I know why that, uh, that this passage is what I was supposed to preach today, God, because I was preaching to myself. God, there's things in my life. I don't do everything perfect, and I hope any, everybody in this room knows that. Lord, there's things that, uh, that, that easily come into my life I need to get rid of. There's evaluations I need to do in my own life so I can get rid of some things that are slowing me down, keeping me becoming from becoming more like, like Jesus. And so I just pray, God, that all of us would be honest with ourselves. We'd walk out here today and we'd start doing some, some good self-evaluation of our walk with you. And we would recognize those things, God, that are standing in the way of, of you giving us your best. Why would we want any less? And I just pray, God, that you give us the strength and the courage to admit what those things are and that you would uh, give us everything we need to start doing something about them. And God, we'll give you the praise and the glory until we take our last breath on this, on this earth because you are worthy. And we thank you for the, the race that, that Jesus accepted and accomplished. And we're just grateful, God, that, uh, that we're going to enter into your presence and be welcomed because of everything that he's done. So Lord, be with us today, and we ask all these things in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. These altars are open if you need to do business with God. Day. <laughs> it's a good day to be in uh, in God's house with God's people. So, uh, Alan, you want to you want to pray us out, and I'll make my way to the back door.
1: So... Mm-hmm.